This is episode 135 of the Prepper Website Podcast. Today's articles are Surviving in Your Home After a Natural Disaster, Situational Awareness Starts in the Home, and Outdoor Survival Skills. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, before I get started, I just want to give a shout out to uh, LXA739 for leaving a review on iTunes. Uh, They said the information from the articles are extremely helpful and they left a five-star review. Really appreciate that. Um, all the reviews on iTunes help to uh, help the algorithms to get us up there. So when people start searching, um, you know they'll they'll pull up. So really appreciate that um, tremendously. You have no idea. So thank you so much. And if you ever want to do uh, a review, I, I welcome that. And uh, you know we'd like to get some reviews on Stitcher as well. And there's some other podcast catchers out there. If you want, if you do one on there on, on one of those, I don't always catch those. Um, because I get alerted to iTunes right away, but uh, he, just send me a, a little email, let me know, or hit me up on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, so I can go check it out, because uh, I always appreciate that feedback. So I also want to just give a shout out to everyone who has uh, been checking up on, on me and my family, and you know how we're doing. They know we live in Houston, um, and uh, with Hurricane Harvey, and we definitely, you know, we're not a, it was not a direct hit uh, like Rockport. I've uh, seen a little bit of footage from Rockport, but if you can imagine, all the uh, the news stations are reporting um, on Houston because we we are having catastrophic flooding like we have never experienced it before. Um, I've lived here all my life. I've never seen it. Been through a couple of hurricanes, big tropical storms. Never seen it, anything like this at all. Um, the thing is, is that when when Houston has flooded in the past, most of the time, it's an area of the of the city. Now, Houston is the fourth largest city in the United States, so it's very, very big. It's very spread out. So, you know, if you're coming from up north and you, maybe you're in New York, um, and and you're in a situation in a, in a city that has, uh, I guess, built up instead of out. Um, you quite you you don't understand I guess how big we are. Uh, Houston I guess <laughs> Texans like uh, like their room like the space out, and so uh, it's a big big city. Um, it takes a while to get get across Houston, and that's without any kind of traffic. So when we say it's like it's flooding all over Houston, it's flooding all over Houston. Uh, like I said, in the past, it's usually been one area of the of town. You, you know, maybe like the south, southeast is notorious for that. Um, last year in the tax flood, um, northwest, you know, we got it. We got it pretty bad. Um, but it's usually in isolated parts of the city. This time around, the whole city has gotten it. And it's it's really really bad. So when you're seeing um, those pictures and you're seeing, you know, sometimes when people uh, when things are going on, you know, they'll send you the or they'll post the the most devastating pictures. Uh, there's tons of them. And uh, just watching the news, I mean, our cable keeps going in and out depending with the weather, and especially in the evening times when the rain starts to kick up. Um, it it uh, starts to be a little bit more sporadic, but we're watching some of the. I mean, they're doing helicopter res- rescues, and and um, you know, they had people co- being rescued in baskets, 
And then uh, there was this one rescue. I guess, you know, when you see someone being rescued from sea and they put one of those rings around them and uh, they just lift them up, just, just that, you know, just uh, individual lift, uh, one of those as well. So that's, it's crazy seeing that someone is being rescued in the city and uh, they're, they're dumping them off in the middle of the freeway where there's high, uh, you know, there's, there's high land and is dry. And uh, I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. And so they're, um, you know, they're, they're asking for people who have boats to come out and help out to grab people. And, uh, you know, people who, um, who are elderly and people who, uh, people who just maybe not, didn't have anywhere to go. I mean, Houston is a place where a lot of people have come. Uh, and, you know, I'm lucky we have all our family here. We've, you know, born and raised here in Houston. So everybody's here. Uh, and we're all doing, you know, fairly well. I mean, no one's flooded out or anything like that. None of my family, uh, none of the church, uh, church members. Um, we do have one church member whose, whose mom did flood out. Uh, but at least none of the, the people that go to the church, I'll talk about that in just a second. But, uh, so we've been very, very lucky, but, um, it's, you know, like I said, very spread out all over the place. You're seeing pictures from all over Houston, not just one section. And uh, it's it's very crazy. So you have people who um, are new to Houston or don't have any family members. Maybe they didn't have anywhere to go. Uh, there wasn't a lot of talk about shelters being open. The mayor of Houston, you know, recommended that we don't evacuate because it was just going to be a flooding issue. Uh, I guess they didn't realize how much it was going to dump. Uh, the the big rain gauge, I, I guess, that gets monitored by the county that's nearest me. It's probably about a uh, probably about half a mile away from where I'm at right now. Uh, the last two days we've registered 16 inches or 16.82 inches. Uh, and that's, that was just, you know, this afternoon. And so, uh, they're expecting a lot more rain tonight, not as bad as it was last night, but they said, even if we get half of what we, we received last night, it's going to be a lot even worse. And so, uh, it's, it's raining. I mean, we get a little lull and it rains really hard and so that always kind of freaks us out a little bit. Um, last time it, it flooded, and, and if you're a part of the the email list, I sent out an email uh, yesterday, you know, early early afternoon, uh, late morning. Um, and, and I guess we, I was reminiscing about the last flood that we had because my son's car did get a little bit of water in it. And uh, so we've been checking. You know, we woke up this morning. I woke up really early to go check it outside to see. Uh, what it was like and it was coming above or it was it was uh, the water was coming over the curb and I'm like oh man here we go because last time it almost came into our garage it was it was uh, pretty bad um, but we had a little lull and then the water level dropped tremendously and completely and um, with the rain that we have received uh, what we're seeing in the streets is just regular flow which is really really good and um, you know, it makes me feel a little bit more at ease uh, because last time it was uh, pretty scary with all the rain. Uh, one of the things that I, we're attributing the the better water flow is, um, I guess, the the bayou and the creek where everything kind of dumps to in our behind our neighborhood. And the back of our neighborhood has flooded, so there there are streets that are underwater. We did see a, a video; somebody posted a video in our neighborhood uh, uh, Facebook page, um, but. Um, one of the there was a couple of ladies who started uh, uh, petitioning the county. Uh, I guess there's a there's an area back there where people just go and they dump 
trash. So like there was mattresses, there was tires, there was uh, you know bags of, of garbage, all kinds of stuff that were back there. So when it would rain, it would stop up drainage and it would cause it to back up in the neighborhood. And so they did a lot of petitioning. A lot of people got behind it. They the county came and cleaned it up. And so I'm uh, I'm attributing the the better flow to to that because uh, it, it was nowhere near where where it was last time. So we're really glad about that. But uh, everybody in the, in the church, you know, we canceled church uh, Saturday, early Saturday afternoon. And I just told everyone, hey, just stay home, you know, be careful. Um, it was going to get bad. Some of my friends who are pastors were, were um, you know, were going to have service. And then as, as the night went on early morning, they canceled it because it was just it was just so bad. So, you know, terrible. Uh, and so uh, there even actually one of my pastor's friends had to evacuate up uh, up to his uh, to his second floor. I mean, there, it was so bad that they're telling people do not go into your attic because if you go to the attic, fire firemen can't find you if they're having to come and rescue you. Or if you do go to your attic, then you need to take something like an axe or some kind of tool that you can bust out of your uh, out of your attic if you go up there. And uh, I mean that's that's the case. I mean there are people are rescue they're rescuing people from roofs and and uh, rooftops and things like that and balconies and it's uh, very very crazy very 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 sad. So we're going to have uh, Houston's going to have a lot of uh, cleanup to do uh, as uh, in in the future in the weeks. Uh, I mean our our school district has already canceled for the whole um, for the whole week. Uh, last time this happened, we had uh, you know like 13 or 14 of our school facilities were flooded, and so just imagine that that's happening again. Uh, we just haven't received any news because no one's able to go anywhere because it's just so flooded. Everyone is 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 staying put, and uh, the the really the, the the you know first responders are asking everyone to stay put too. So there are some people that are out there that they're wanting to explore, and if they get stuck. They're causing more trouble. And so, yeah, you have the right to go do that. You have the ability to go do that. But, you know, there's people on TV. You're watching them. They're reporting. And they get their car stuck because they're not paying attention. And they go drive in, in water that is uh, that is above their, you know, the ability of their car to, to get through. And they wind up flooding out. And that's just stupid. That's just there's no reason for that. So unless you have a, a big emergency, just stay put, bug in, don't don't go out there looking for stuff to do. Um, you know, keep yourself busy. Luckily, we have uh, we've kept our power the whole time, um, so I've, we've been able to have internet and all that good stuff. And even if not, we had uh, you know backup batteries and all that kind of stuff. So you know, we, we would have been really really good. Um, one of my friends who is a, uh, that I taught with is a new pe- prepper. She was like, well, maybe this will help people to start. Uh, thinking about prepping and I'm like nope I don't think so because I think people are just so stubborn they're not going to prep you know Um, they're going to do like every every time uh, everything else you know they'll prep you know the day before or the or two days before but they won't you know start to think about hey you know what it might be a good idea to always have supplies in in the house you never know what's going to happen or it might always be good to have a, a bug out bag or a plan prepared that if you need to go, you need to go and, and you're able to go. Um, so, you know, you have all these things that you, you start thinking about. And I'm like, man, I could sit down and start writing articles and, and all that just from, you know, what, I, what I'm seeing and what people are doing. But um, you know, I'm just watching everything and been doing some praying and reading my Bible. And uh, uh, like I said, uh, everyone at the church, we have a, we have a Facebook page. 
Uh, those of you maybe that are involved in ministry or uh, maybe you, you have a church and you might want to suggest this to, uh, to, your, to your pastor. I mean, having a Facebook page and a Facebook group doesn't cost anything at all, right? So um, you can even do this for your own family, maybe your, your extended family. You could have a Facebook group and it's a closed group that no one is able to have access unless you give them permission. I mean, that's what the Prepper website Facebook group is like. You have to request permission and then I, I uh, let you join. Uh, but so we have a, a Facebook page that we that we post things up there for the, for the church and for people who are visiting or people who want to know information about the church they go check that out but then we have a Facebook group where the the members are uh, are part of that and then you know I just we just add them as people become members of the church or uh, frequent visitors or whatever we kind of add them and in you know there I was able to hey like everybody check in is everyone good and how, how's everyone and uh, everyone was able to check in, and, and every, everybody was safe. And like I said, one of our uh, one of our uh, church, church members did have uh, their mom, their elderly mom. Um, they they live along uh, Buffalo Bio, and so they were. Um, and they're like their their house is you know far enough away from the bio, but then it's eight feet up high. And so they had um, thigh uh, thigh height water in there so i mean what is that maybe about nine feet of water um you know that that uh, their house was experiencing and then uh, right before i got on the podcast um the emergency management uh was talking about releases of different reservoirs that they have um, because if they don't release then the dams can get um can get uh, damaged and then you really have all this water that's just busting out all at one time. Uh, they say if the Attics Dam ever busted, that all of I-10 and downtown would flood. Uh, it's just a lot, a, a lot of water. But uh, they're having these uh, these releases, re- releases, these controlled releases, and um, so they're saying hopefully it stops raining and uh, bayous can go down a little bit more so that the releases don't flood more, but. There's no chance of that. Um, there's, there's, it's going to be, it's raining now. It's going to be raining till, um, till Wednesday. So what they said is the, uh, the hurricane is like in Victoria right now, around Victoria. So it's going to go, it's crazy. It's going to go south because of a, a high pressure system. It's going to go south back into the Gulf just a little bit, and then come back up. Uh, basically kind of splitting Houston uh, 45 coming up interstate 45 again is uh, what that's what the path is saying Um, so they're saying that it's not going to strengthen again because the the inner circle or the inner the eye I guess of the the now it's a tropical storm it's not formed well anymore so it won't strengthen but it's going to continue to rain. So the rain is not going to let up. It's going to continue to cause problems up until Wednesday. They're saying even Thursday is when it finally, uh, you know, leaves uh, leaves Houston and goes further up north. So uh, we we have uh, days of rain uh, in store, and so that's just going to make the issue and the problem even worse for everyone. So um, you know that's that's kind of crazy. One of the things that you're looking for is good information because you know social media you you have all kinds of stuff uh if you are in the houston area there is a i saw someone post this a friend posted on facebook and uh, earlier in the week when uh people were like this is it's going to be catastrophic hurricane blah 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 all this kind of stuff was going on um uh 
someone posted this guy or these two guys and uh, they're weather guys and they're a little bit you know they were uh, non-sensational no hype type stuff they're like people calm down let's look at this let's look at the models let's look at all this kind of stuff very like hey calming people down looking at it but as you so you know i was watching them i was reading them they're, they're posting a couple of times a day actually they're doing more now uh because of all the different updates and um you know they finally was like hey this is going to be bad and so um you know they're they're realistic uh, weather people, they're not all the sensational, you know, that you that you find. But that's going to be at SpaceCityWeather.com. So if you're in the Houston area and uh, you're looking for some, uh, you know, like a blog, a weather blog to uh, to kind of follow, you can check them out. SpaceCityWeather.com. I'm going to go ahead and link to them in the show notes, and you can check them out. Uh, but one of the things that they were saying is that all the the models had this hurricane going in so many different ways. There was no one model. Normally, it's like, okay, this is the track, but it had it going so many different ways. And uh, so, anyway, uh, that's what we're expecting right now is it's going to go into the Gulf again and then uh, um, starting tomorrow and then, you know, back up, uh, I guess, Monday evening, Tuesday, back into the Houston area and all through Houston, and we'll see how it goes from there. So keep us in your prayers. Again, I appreciate all the well wishes, and uh, we're good right now. Um, but there's going to be a lot of need in the Houston area, and so if you know, but if you know someone in Houston, you know you might want to check up on them. Uh, if you're someone who wants to donate, um, you know, find a good uh, a good uh, organization to donate to that will do um, you know really do some help and uh, help people out here in Houston. All right, so. Uh, with that, let's go ahead and jump in. I know I've been really long, but I know people are wanting to know how things are going down here. And I uh, just wanted to say that it's, it is it is pretty bad. Uh, it's not sensational. It, it is really, really bad here in the Houston area. Our first article comes to us from skilledsurvivor.com. And um, I, I kind of did this on purpose. The article is Surviving in Your Home After a Natural Disaster. And... Um, so I'm going to I'm going to talk a little bit about this and then I'm going to come back uh because there's some things that I I do want to touch on. Surviving in your home after a natural disaster. It's the year 2018 and if there's a natural disaster or other emergency, you will quickly need to determine a game plan to improve your chances of survival. The best course of action will greatly determine the nature of the emergency and what resources you have available to you to survive with. For example, a flood or fire may require you to evacuate your home immediately while another emergency situation may benefit you to stay at home. While you can play out the possibilities of each event, you won't know for sure the best option until the emergency play out, emergencies play out in real time. Being prepared for every possibility is the best way to improve your chances for survival. This article will serve as a survival guide when cir circumstances dictate that you should stay at home to survive. So I'm not sure what the 2018 is there because we're still in 2017. Uh, maybe they were just typing really, really fast there. Um, but, uh, yeah, th this is right. I mean, there are times when you're talking about natural disasters that um, it, it definitely you might have to leave. And you might be a person who's like, you know, hey, if the, the poop hits the fan, I'm going to bug in. But what if you can't bug in? What if you have to bug out? Do you have a plan for that? Um, and what if your plan is to bug out, but you have to bug in? Like uh, like right now, you know, uh, there you know you don't want to to leave Houston because there's so many um, there's so many different ways. You know, all, I think almost all the freeways are impassable right now. Anyway, so let's go ahead and continue on. When you are better off sticking off in your home, there are many different factors which will dictate that your home is the safest place to stay. 
When you think of the three items that you need to survive, such as water, food, and shelter, a home instantly provides the last factor for, your, for you and provides protection from the elements. In addition, you likely have items in your home that can help you to obtain water and food more easily than you can while in the elements. There is safety and security in your home, and staying in your home can greatly improve your chances to survive in many cases. So not just, um, I know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep uh, referring to different things here. Uh, the article here, this paragraph is referring to there's things in your home to help you obtain water and food. Um, I think in a home, uh, those of you who are preparing, you, the, the one reason why you want to stay home is because you, you probably already have water and food there. So it's not to obtain that you have items to obtain, that you already have that stored up. And so that's something that, you know, you can't take a whole lot of water with you unless you're bugging out on your, you know, in your car or whatever. But, um, you know, if you're at home, you have those supplies readily available. It's so much easier to access. Survival at home in the short and long term. When you first are placed in a survival situation, you will have to immediately think short term. The first step to perform is to put yourself in a situation that protects yourself and your family and then to perform an inventory and assessment of the situation that you are in. Quickly analyze the risks and the resources that you have on hand. Look for weapons to protect yourself and be creative if you need to. Learn to fashion basic tools. A sharpened knife, kitchen knife can be a survival tool that can be used as a weapon as can a screwdriver. You can also fashion spears from these implements and some branches. Be creative in developing ways to protect yourself and try to create warning systems for you to protect yourself from harm in whatever sense possible. Don't be afraid to team up with the neighbors or, or others you feel as if you can rely on. So sometimes as I'm reading this, I'm thinking like this person is, is not really writing an article for natural disaster. They're writing an article for like a collapse situation. And maybe if you are like a complete complete newbie and you don't have any uh, resources at all. But uh, those of you who are, are, are preparedness-minded, you already have items to defend yourself. You already have uh, ways to, um, you know, to, to do, you already have your tools. You don't need the fashion tools. You know, you don't need to do those kinds of things. So, um, you know, being at home, there's, there's a lot of uh, advantages to it. Safety is not the only factor. You also need food and water. Any survival guide will tell you that water is more important as you will need it to survive sooner. You need water each and every day to live while you can likely go at least a week without food. To obtain water, find ways to catch it using rain catches, which can be as simple as a bucket and more intricate and involved if need be. Capturing water is not enough as you will also need to keep it pur purified. Some coal and rocks lined up in the more granular rocks on the bottom can be a way of purifying water, as can boiling water if you have the resources available. There are many different places to store water in your home, and you should keep a reserve of water if at all possible. If water is scarce, then find ways to extract water from your environment. Options include digging for water or using a see-through bag to wrap around foliage and leaving the bag in the sun to obtain water through the process of condensation. Okay, again, that's why I'm thinking this guy is writing like not a natural disaster. But, uh, you know, one of the things, uh, we're not on city water. Uh, we're on, um, uh, we're in, I guess, a water district. And so we also have a water tower in our, um, you know, in our neighborhood. And so one of the things that I was thinking about was if our the water treatment plan plant that feeds into our water tower 
if it gets inundated with uh, with water and it's not able to keep uh, flood waters out, then you know we're going to be notified not to be able not to um, uh, not to uh, drink that water, right? Not to use that water because it's going to be or, or they'll shut. What they'll do is they'll shut off the pumps and then whatever's in the tower is going to be drained out. So I, I really have I'm trying to stay on top of that and hear news about that. But uh, if it seems like uh, that might be a, a situation, um, I don't have a problem filling up the water bob and uh, have one of those. I think everyone should have one of those to just to fill up uh, a water bob. It will contain, will hold 100 gallons and you can put it in your bathtub. So your bathtub becomes, I guess, the, 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 the holder for it. Uh, but it's a, this big plastic that has a pump inside of it, so you could pump out water. But um, so I recommend everybody have one of those. It's only thirty dollars, uh, you know, for peace of mind. Yeah. So thought about that. Just uh, kind of keeping my eyes open. So and that's something you you want to think about too. Do you know where your water is coming from? Is it city water? Is it well water? Is it coming from uh, the county? You know, your your. Do you know which? Uh, which uh, water water plant it's coming from? Do you know how to contact them? So uh, do you know how to get information from them? All right, continuing on. Uh, obtaining food obtaining food is important as well. Perform an inventory of the food items that you have and be sure to reserve those uh, that are not perishable to whatever extent possible. E- eat those that are likely to go bad first and try to reserve food items that last longer. Try cooking perishable flour by turning it into food such as hardtack. Plant traps that can catch birds and small wildlife. Explore the surrounding areas of edibles like dandelion leaves and pine leaves. Staying at your home can greatly improve your chances of survival. Plan out your survival and secure the resources to keep yourself secure to whatever extent possible in the emergency situation. So um, if you are completely new to preparedness and uh, you don't have any supplies, I guess this is an article that is you know, good for you. Uh, I wanted to read this article because I wanted to bounce off of this because it said natural disasters and I wanted to bounce off of it, you know, for what we're we're experiencing here. Uh, one of the other things other than water that uh, I would, you know, consider uh, important is, you know, a way to cook food. And so you might have cans of food and those are easy to pop open. And, uh, you know, even can open, you want to have multiple can openers. Um, one of the one of the can openers that I have that I've relied on for a while, I opened, try to open up a, a manual can opener. I tried to open up a can the other day and it was giving me static. So you might want to, uh, you know, definitely. And I have multiple can openers, but, uh, you know, that's the one that I'm going to get rid of and replace that one because I want to be able to open cans if uh, if I need to and do it easily, not do it, you know, the way that, uh, you know, the rough way that you have to rub it against a concrete or something like that. So have ways to cook your food, uh, multiple ways of cooking your food. And so I discuss water and food when you, uh, if you haven't signed up for the email list, when you do, you automatically get enrolled in um, the Building a More Self-Reliant e-course, Building a More Self-Reliant Life e-course. And so it's about five or six weeks and you'll get get an email every week. And um, I try to make it to where... It was valuable information. In the past, I have been part of um, 
uh, like e-courses or whatever, you know, you sign up for something, you're like, hey, you get an e-course, and you get like a, a paragraph of something, and I'm like, man, that's not that's not an e-course, or is that that's not a help, that's not very helpful. I tried it, I tried to make it uh, to where you're getting some good information, where even if you wanted to print it off, you can print it off and uh, and use it and save it in a binder. So uh, I, I've gotten some great feedback uh, from people, so uh, on that. So hopefully, if you're not part of the email list. Uh, you are welcome to come join that. You can come over to the prepperwebsitepodcast.com or just prepperwebsite.com and you can uh, uh, grab a link to that. It'll pop up and you can go do that. All right, so um, moving on. This is a great article over at Survival Blog uh, called Situational Awareness Starts in the Home. Uh, if you are a parent uh, or you, maybe even a grandparent, you're taking care of uh, an extended family or uh, you know this is something where you can really... Um, uh, be a part of and you can really impart some things into your uh into your family so so let's go ahead and start uh reading this one's coming to us from survivalblog.com situational awareness starts in the home most everyone tends to start life with very low levels of what is called situational or tactical awareness these words are often mentioned in the same conversation along with terms opsec or operational security these same men are wearing molly-covered gear, talking about fields of fire. They might also include fatal funnels, eyeballs on targets, heads on swivels, and other tactical lingo. However, in case you didn't know, situational awareness is for everyone. So, where do we begin with the discussion? I'm glad you asked. I believe that tactical awareness, just like kindness, should start in the home. Mom and Dad's Roles My childhood in the 1970s and 80s may be seen as an unusual childhood by today's standards. But growing up, I felt like I had a very normal, stable childhood. I had parents who made a wonderful home life for me and my siblings. My mother was our nurse, teacher, homemaker, financial advisor, and life coach. My father was our PT instructor, outdoor guide, professor, and provider. We were not homeschooled in the current sense of the word, but we were educated at home constantly. There was always a discussion of what we had been taught in public school. Often there was many a correction made to what we had been taught. I guess my parents did this because they believed we were important to the family. Children taught the world was a dangerous place. One aspect of my childhood that I believe was unusual for the time period was that we were told at a young age that the world was a dangerous place and that we were to be on guard against its perils. My parents taught us that if we were ever kidnapped, that we would fight to the death. This may be partially due to being to it being the 1970s, still heavy with social unrest and the drug-fueled crime explosion of the proverbial age of Aquarius. However, it was just as much to do with the fact that both my parents are very independent and deeply self-reliant people. Trained to use knives and firearms at young ages. My dad taught us what his father, a Marine, had taught him regarding using a K-bar. We were instructed in the basics of Vital Oregon's and where to put the pointy end. He even went so far as to demonstrate the vertical strike, severing the carotid through the neck when butchering a hog. He gave us the smaller Navy pilot knives that looked like mini K-bars to carry fishing and hiking. We were also trained to shoot before age 5 using a very small squirrel gun. It was a 22 Stevens favorite. A few years later, my dad trained us to shoot a Smith & Wesson Model 10 revolver. He let us shoot a few 357 rounds, but mainly trained us on 38 Specials. We were taught to fish and hike and spent summers in the forests of northern New Mexico, the canyons of Utah, and the pinions-covered mountains of Nevada. Every outing was used to prepare us and arm us 
for life on our own. These activities built confidence, and confidence is needed to act in tactical situations, even if it only starts out as the confidence to walk down the street and look people in the eye. Family team meetings. We held family meetings every Monday that were about us. At these meetings, we discussed family issues and were informed about situations that were happening regarding our security, potential threats, family moves, church activities, job issues, etc. Yes, we were children and of course our parents didn't discuss everything with us. Even so, we were a team, a unit, and we relied on God, ourselves, and no one else. These family meetings taught us that we didn't exist just to play with toys and whine about each other. On the contrary, we were trusted members of the family unit who had responsibilities and were expected to be responsible for them. Family Opset Operational security was also ingrained in us from a young age. We didn't betray the trust of the family by discussing family matters with outsiders. Curious people's questions were answered very politely and equally vague. And, and equally vague. It wasn't their business. Family business stays within the family. Scenarios discussed and planned. My parents never told me it won't ever happen to you. They always discussed scenarios and outcomes and the consequences of various decisions. We were held responsible for our own actions and disciplined when needed. We were told true, sometimes gruesome stories of things that had happened in the news, so we understood the world, good and bad. I wasn't protected from the knowledge that predators exist in society. I already knew I was going to fight the abductor and do my best to kill my kidnapper and escape. If offered drugs and other substances, I knew what my answer would be. I didn't have to decide when it happened because I had already decided before at the time I, th I thought through the scenario. There are probably some parents shrinking from the idea that a child would be contemplating these scenarios. I would point out to them that as children, we have enormous amounts of creativity and the same what-if scenarios thought out by the security-minded or law enforcement will not be wasted on the mind of a child. The same child that can turn a pair of pants hanging on the door into a monster can easily vis visualize themselves engaging in their own defense. Let me just cut in here really quick. Um, there's, I'm sure there's a lot of parents who, like uh, this article said, this paragraph said, you know, they're cringing and they're like, oh man, I can't, I can't believe we're discussing those kinds of things with, with children. Let me, let me tell you, kids are discussing things that are very adult in in buses and in uh, you know in schools and in the neighborhood uh, more than you realize. And today's kids, because they have access to phones and they have access to videos, and they a lot of the times they know how to access things that that uh, parents wouldn't be able to access. They're seeing and hearing a whole lot of things already. So um, I would say that yeah, uh, unless your child is living a very very sheltered life, um, that today's kids can deal with this situation they have in the past kids have dealt with it in the past and uh, they deal with it they deal with it now think about some of the um, the war-torn areas of the world and what people have to do and, and to survive they get past that you know uh they get past that and they deal with it um but uh so you know a, a mind is um is very powerful and so if you treat someone and you help someone to be strong with it in a scenario plan um, you know that is uh, a step ahead of the game all right so continuing on here um, observation skills training the easiest way to teach observation skills to children is to spend time in nature even if it's only at your city park in the forest with my father and mother there were so many things to observe so many little details that would be pointed out to us on our fishing and hiking trips this trained me as a child to look up, to scan the sky, and to scan my surroundings. 
I then had as my reward all the things I got to see that I in turn reported to an interested parent. These habits that were created in youth will last a lifetime. Later, when I worked in law enforcement, I was only augmenting, repurposing, and fine-tuning the skills I had already learned. Social training through observation of parents. In my childhood, I watched over and over how, many, how, how my parents dealt with social situations. I observed their dealings with people and how they diffused and de-escalated confrontations. They were polite, gracious, kind, and also at times absolutely immovable in their strength of mind and force of will. My father would immediately check and call those out who overstepped their bounds, and not in visible anger, just resolutely. He wouldn't be pushed by another male, and so they didn't. I knew he had fought many times growing up in a rough mining town, but he no longer needed to, such is his presence. My mother, a kind and loving yet very practical woman, led by example and also wasn't hesitant to stand up for the underdog. Mother was very keen in the field of consumer education advocacy and could spot snake oil a mile away. The experiences of my parents' lives made them excellent teachers. When it came to avoiding scams, con men, and the like, and they did educate us very well in this area. That said, they were very generous and helped those in actual need using Jesus Christ as their example. As a child, I could observe these behaviors and the independent strength of self-awareness that became tools for me later on in life when I arrested and interviewed the criminal element who so easily employ deception, distraction, and manipulation. The mind is a weapon and a strong mind is a good defense. Situational awareness vaccinates a child against being a victim. It is the environment of the home that we can learn so much in our early years that it becomes an essential part of who we are. Proverbs 22.6 wasn't wrong where it states, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old he will not depart from it. This is why if you have your child incorporate being ta tactically aware of where they are, who they are with, who else is around, and what is happening around them, then this mindset will just become the way they move through their day. The situational awareness mindset isn't a mistrust of everyone and everything, although it may seem like that to some. It is actually the requirement that people prove they are trustworthy and the understanding that situations are not always what they seem. It's the vaccination to help prevent being a victim, a mark, a sucker, or dead. Childhood is preparation for who we become. It only takes parents understanding that childhood is the time when we prepare to become who we will be. It is certainly true that these skills can be learned later in life because life will teach them to us, sometimes in not very nice ways. So it becomes a decision that each family will have to make as to when their child should know what the world is really like. I believe that there are many great parents who take amazing care in raising training and preparing their children for this uncertain world. I understand the desire for parents to just let kids have their childhood and to shelter children from the realities of this life. However, if you provide your children with the defense, defenses they need, they, then they will have their childhood, but they won't be blind to the world around them. What is the alternative? Is it, it's for your child to be the sheep walking along with their faces in a smartphone and their ears blocked with headphones, blissfully ignorant of the predator watching from the shadows. You've seen these oblivious sheep walking home from school on the fitness trail or walking to their car in a dark parking lot. You rolled your eyes and shook your head at the absurdity of it all. They didn't notice you do that, and they also won't notice the predator in the shadows wearing an evil grin. All right. I think it was a great article, and one of those that uh, get parents thinking is like, man, am I, am I teaching my kids enough? Am I, am I putting in them uh, enough information to uh, be able to survive out there? 
and uh, you know I've got, I've got three boys and I uh, you know that's one thing that that I always uh, you know question have I trained them up enough have I have I given them enough uh, you, you hope that you uh, have are able to provide them with what they need to be able to survive out there um, I like the the scripture in here and uh, the faith in God I mean that's that's where I'm at um, that's you know that's a big part of my life and a big part of our family and so that's that's important as well you got to trust in God that God's going to lead and guide and uh, protect but uh, that doesn't mean that you don't have a, a part to play as well so go check that out over at survivalblog.com uh, you might want to read that one just a little bit more slowly or if you have someone who is a parent um, you might want to give this this might be a good you know this might be a good introduction to preparedness uh, you're not it, it's not necessarily dealing with you know the end of the world type stuff it's talking about being a parent and providing uh you know helping your child it's a different take on what everybody else in the whole uh you know everybody else in in the world out there thinks you know we got to protect our kids and all that kind of stuff so this might be a good uh introduction and so they'll click on this article and then they might go clicking around and looking at some of the other uh information that's there and uh, maybe get interested in preparedness so uh, you can do that over at survivalblog.com. Our next article comes to us from tngun.com. It's uh, Dave's Homestead. And so um, it's called Outdoor Survival Skills. And so uh, this is David Nash's uh, uh, website. So let's go ahead and, and get into this one. Again, the article is entitled Outdoors Survival Skills. It's not a very long one, so uh, just hang, hang tight with me. Many people might want to know what exact situation dictates or demands outdoor survival skills. Well, to my opinion, I think that first and foremost, the way to approach death is asking what the definition of emergency is. Knowing that an emergency is an unplanned event that requires immediate action. However, it will be safe to say that an outdoor survival situation will come under the heading of an event that is unplanned that calls for an immediate action and skills. Also, the preparation beforehand with training and gear are the things that will make the situation turn out for better or for the worse to the participants. I think we live in a society that is so busy and we have all been there. You have weekend plans with your family, friends, and loved ones to go hiking or camping. Life has been busy and sometimes catches up. It's Friday night and you are going to leave the next day or morning for outdoors and then you try to rush up and get your stuff and get going. Always remember that the woods and mountains do not move and they will always be there whatever you wish to, whenever you wish to visit. Do not go out there unprepared. Going to such places as wilderness, there is a risk. And the only safeguard against it is proper prior preparation, which can prevent poor performance. One thing that anyone who is going outdoors, in the woods or under the water and so on, should know is that he or she is going out in the wild world. The person is meant to see and encounter things that are uncommon, wild animals, other dangerous insects, plants, and he or she does not do not see out in the that he or she does not see out in the city or at home. So the person always has to know that and treat it with a little bit of respect. Follow the rules below if you are planning for an outdoor tour for the first time and uncertain of what situations out there might be. Don't go unprepared. And I'll, I just this last this last sentence that I read, uh, if uh, that he says, follow the rules bef uh, below. If you are planning for an outdoor tour for the first time and uncertain of what the situation out there might be, I'm going to say that even if it's not your first time, there's a lot of times where people that are like, hey, you know, I'm just going to go out there. It's just going to be a quick little day hike. 
I've done articles on that before where uh, survival situations where it was just, hey, this was going to be a little day hike. They, did, they didn't go. They weren't prepared. And all of a sudden they, they got lost. And a day hike turned into uh, you know, a very severe situation where they could have lost their lives. Fortunately, they didn't, you know, and so uh, whether it's, you know, and the other thing is, is that, hey, you know, I'm experienced. I have this experience. I don't need anything. No, if you go out into the wilderness, it's always smart to have a little pack, something that you can keep with you. If it's a fanny pack with some survival skills or survival items, if it is an Altoids uh, tin with some fire making water purification, type, what, I mean, you know, whatever it might be, it's just good to have some items with you even if it's just going to be hey i'm just going to go in for a little bit and come right back out you never know what's going to happen okay so with that let me go ahead and read do not go unprepared try to never go unprepared visiting the outdoors do your due diligence before venturing the wild presently we live in a world of technologies and we can equip ourselves with the necessary technology for example google earth and terra server so, before going backpacking, mountain climbing, bicycling, fishing, hunting, deep diving, hiking, camping, and any other place you wish to go, you can get online and get the area view of the particular field you want to visit. Do not rely on someone else. Imagine if you are going on a trip with someone that is more experienced in the field or someone has invited you. It's always easy to have that kind of vacation mindset. What, go, what goes along for a ride? Grab the water bottle and hit the trail. But... If the unexpected does happen, it is essential that you are able to take the situation into your own hands and get on and track your way out of the wild. So do your homework before venturing into the wild. Relying on technology. The modern technology is great, but it can also get us killed. There is a GPS on almost every phone now and different kinds of electronics that if in the wild, you can look through them and they can take you back to the point where you came in. Think also about the other way. What if the batteries drop dead or the electronics drop in the water? That can tremendously hurt and care. And if care is not taken, some people in such situations might not make it out. So try to study a paper map and have it with you if possible. Number four, learn how to use a compass and also learn how to re read a map. It is important to go to a local community college or a local hiking or backpacking club or organization and get a little seminar or workshop just to get a basic understanding of how to use the gadgets can be a lifesaver for anyone. The last one is known as the do or die plan. This is having looked on Google Earth map, having had a framework. You need to determine before you go out there that if you go west, there is a highway. If you go south, there is a river. And if you go downstream, there is always a fishing camp. You have to get your mind prepared before you leave home that if everything else fails, that you have a direction and a bearing that is going to walk you out of danger to safety. And you are sure you know how to find that bearing after learning how to use your map and compass. Sometimes the compass can break. So it is vital to know how to read from where the sun rises and where it sets. You have to learn how to read shadows. All of these things are part of what will help anyone to survive and do or die situation outdoors. Conclusion. Before taking part in an outdoor activity such as hunting, camping, hiking, underwater diving, and even bicycling, you have to make sure that you have the proper gear and that you have taken appropriate instruction classes on outdoor survival skills. Having binoculars or a sp spotting scope can also be a necessity when it comes to looking through an unfamiliar movement within the woods or around the field where you are located. All right. So uh, this article was not written by David Nash. It was written by someone else. But uh, 
you know, things to things to consider out there. If you're going out there, just you know, plan for worst case scenario. I mean, I hate to think like that because some people are like, that's always very negative, pessimistic. But you know, if you if you plan for a worst case scenario, what would happen? Uh, you know, what kinds of things would I need to know? And just take a little bit of time to get informed. Maybe print off one of those Google Maps. Uh, you know, look. You know, make sure that your you know your compass that you have your compass. Make sure that you have you know some important uh, survival gear with you. Um, even like, again, like I said, it, even if it's a day uh, a day trip. And one of the things that I do when I'm um, when we're traveling, and this isn't even going out into the woods. This is just traveling. I always take a nice first aid kit with me. Um, you know, put it in, putting it, put it in the vehicle, and just have it, just in case we break down and something happens. You know, I want to have a good first aid kit with me, and uh, you know that has it has uh, come in useful just for the fact of having some, you know, some uh, pain medicine and different things like that when we've been traveling. So uh, on, on top of having, you know, uh, you know your everyday uh, carry gear, or you know, having some kind of uh, uh, bag with you, you know, emergency bag with you with supplies and things like that. Uh, I always like to have that first aid kit for me. That's important to have. So anyway, a lot of good articles here. That's over again at tngun.com. Uh, Dave's Homestead, Dave Nash's website over there. Uh, it's entitled Outdoor Survival Skills. Again, you can get all of these articles uh, if you go to the Prepper website podcast.com and click on episode 135 uh, of, uh, of the podcast. So um, there you go, man. I thanks so much for being uh, being a part of uh, this uh, this podcast and listening. And again, thanks so much for the well wishes. I do want to say I'm looking at the counter and I forgot to mention this. Uh, I did start uh, my uh, sourdough starter. So I know people on the, on the Facebook group were like, "Hey, we gotta you know make sure that we we uh, we keep in touch with Todd and ask him if he's done his sourdough starter." So I have started it. One of my problems is going to be. Um, I got two problems, so maybe someone someone can help me with my second one. My first problem is I'm gonna starting it out and remembering it to, remember to feed it, you know, in the in the morning and in the evening or every 12 hours. That I got to remember to do that. Uh, the second thing I'm gonna have an issue with is uh, the temperature in the house. So uh, I think my house is a little bit cooler that, than than uh, the the temperature that I should be uh, keeping keeping the starter the the optimal temperature. So what I'm doing is I'm putting it on top of my refrigerator. So if that is a bad move, um, I don't have a windowsill that I can just put it on. Um, but if that's a bad move, someone <laughs> someone let me know pretty quick uh, so I can see what uh, see what's going on. I haven't seen any bubbles yet, but I'm uh, waiting to see bubbles and see what happens here. So I'll definitely keep you updated and uh, maybe put some pictures up. Oh, I already have one picture up on the Facebook group. But uh, anyway, hopefully... Uh, uh, if you're a part of that, you can come and and uh, I, I will welcome any advice. Hopefully, trying to get this starter going and maybe start some sourdough bread. Um, you know, looking forward to that. All right. So with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace. <laughs>